begin the Highway to Higher Ed podcast in an appropriate place, considering one of the foundational pieces of college applications and making a good transition into higher education, generating a solid list of schools for a student to apply to. What factors should be considered by parents in determining this critical part of the process? Welcome to the Highway to Higher Ed, a podcast that considers issues facing students applying to college as they attempt to make the transition into higher education. I'm your host, Alex W. Merrill. I'm joined today by Rana Slosberg. In addition to a Bachelor of Science degree in Systems Engineering from New York University, Rana has an independent educational consultant certificate from University of California, Irvine. She established her organization, Slosberg College Solutions, LLC, in 2010, after being inspired by her own daughter's college process that resulted in her daughter's acceptance at MIT. Rana, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Alex. Tell me a little bit about your career history and how you got into college consulting. So uh, as you said, my, my undergraduate work was in systems engineering, and I worked for the first 34 years of my career in the aerospace industry, doing software development, software project management, and then business process improvement. The the company was having some hard times and they were gonna have a significant layoff and they looked for volunteers and I, I volunteered back in 2009. It was time for me to think about, well, what was next? Was I gonna continue doing the same thing or was I gonna look towards a new career? And my daughter, Michelle, half-jokingly said to me, well, you liked helping me with when I was looking for colleges. And I said, yeah, but what do I know? But she put an idea in my head, and education has always been important. Um, growing up, my dad always said I could be whatever I wanted, and education would be the key to that. So I went back to school to the University of California, Irvine, where I did a certificate program in independent college consulting and opened the business in 2010. What makes Slosberg College Solutions unique? Well, most students, when they're in high school, they have a guidance counselor who is there to help them with college selection. But their guidance counselor tends to have maybe 400 students to work with. And I generally have a very small group of students, maybe five to 10 seniors and five to 10 juniors in any particular year. I am very hands-on, I'm very methodical. I have a, pay a lot of attention to detail and I, I really enjoy working with the students and getting to know them. And I think that that's really key to finding a good match, to really understanding the student and what motivates them. What is your favorite part about the college process? Really what I like, like most is doing the college selection piece. It's different for every student depending on what their needs and wants are. So I spend a lot of time with them doing surveys and questionnaires and talking with them to get to know their, their likes their wants, their needs, and very importantly, try to get them and their parents to talk about the financial aid piece. It's one of those taboo subjects that 
parents and students don't talk about enough in terms of how much money is available for their college education because the parents are nearing retirement. If they take all their retirement savings and put it into a college cost, then how can they retire? You know, they, they need to stop working at some point. And a lot of times they haven't been upfront with their student about what they have available or what they're willing to spend. They might have the money, but that's an important piece too. And that changes the way the, the list will come out depending on what they say. It's better to get that out in the open at the beginning of the process versus the end, right? Because that can generally steer, you know, where you're putting your efforts. Right. Uh, if money is important, then that becomes one of the important criteria for selection. And since the money is mostly coming through the government or from colleges that are well endowed, then it's important to select correctly versus try to find scholarships after you've applied to college and been accepted. What's your least favorite part of the college process? Perhaps a bit more revealing. Sometimes the essays can be fun, but there are often many, many essays. Students often have difficulty doing the reflection that is necessary to, to do a good job at the essays. And it takes a while for them to kind of really understand that and to stop fighting <laughs> the need to do the, the research and the reflection. So sometimes that's a little more difficult. Yeah. Do you see a lot of, of the same sort of rehash essays? I try to steer them away from those or at least for ha to have them tell them in a different way or show how, how they're different. I think the essay that they tend to have the most trouble with, and they really should have the least trouble with, is why I want to go to College X. Since, since the list is very focused on what they were looking for, and I try to get them to do a lot of detailed research on the colleges that they, they select. So that's an opportunity, I think, to hit it out of the park to show why they are a good match for the college and the college is a good match for them. Do they struggle with knowing where they want to go to college at all? Not usually. And, and the reason I say that is usually when I meet them for the first time in a free get acquainted meeting, I usually start with that. I usually ask them if they want to go to college. And most of them, nobody has ever asked them that. That's maybe a harder question. I think a lot of them haven't thought about it. You know, they're, they're going to college because, well, that's what you do after you finish high school, you go to college. I try to get them to start thinking about that early. If they tell me they don't want to go to college, I'm not going to take them on as a, a student. I mean, if mom and dad want them to go, but they don't want to go, it's really not going to be successful. I mean, they, they can get into college, but they're not probably going to end up staying unless something happens. So maybe six months later, they'll be interested in going to college. Maybe it's just that they've come too soon. I do wonder about, you know, how many kids actually have a purpose in doing that, right? The I think the gap year programs are highly sort of underutilized. What do you think about the gap year programs? I think the gap year program is right for a lot of kids. I think sometimes parents are a little nervous about the idea of their student doing something else. Sometimes they think, well, they do something else for a year, they're never going to want to go to college. But by and large, I think students do better who have taken a gap year. 
but I think of the one student who took a gap year during the pandemic, and I have one student currently who I'm working with who is planning to take a gap year. I, I think it would be good for, for a lot more than, than are availing themselves of it. Well, and I mean, I think there's this sense of like it's a race in, in American education for some reason, like it's shame and like in staying back or in repeating year or starting late. And it's like, why? Well, there's even there's a, even a little of that as kids start, you know, school as in kindergarten or first grade, yeah. people yeah. like trying to push them to get in sooner. I think that there is a fair amount of peer pressure on students, but also on parents, because they're hearing from their peers who have children of a similar age. Could you describe sort of like what your best college visit was like and why it was so good? Well, I actually have three favorite college visits. I'll only tell you a little bit about each of them. Uh, one was to Landmark College, which is a very small college that is specifically for students who have learning differences, ADHD, or who are on the spectrum. And I was there for three days, which is very unusual. I mean, a college visit is, is usually a day or a little less. The part that was the most interesting or most rewarding was the student panel, where the students talked about what they were like when they came. And many of them had very, very little self-confidence, very little faith in themselves and how now that they understood their strengths, they were like really different people. What were the profile of the students that you uh, saw on the panel? Were they, did they have, talking about anxiety, ADHD, dyslexia? Most of them had ADHD as well as a whole host of other things. And most of them had, did not have the most successful experiences in high school. This, this just was kind of life-changing for them. I, I really liked Olin College of Engineering. So my background is in engineering. It is a very, very small engineering school. But what was interesting there is uh, we were on a visit with high school students. They were really sharp. And we got to see the projects of the students who were at the school. We got to see the facilities. And it's really a, a very small school. They are adjacent to another college. So they got to use the facilities of that other college, their clubs, their extracurricular activities as well. It was definitely very special. And I, I've been to a lot of schools with, with engineering. The third one is one that I've never gotten a student to go to because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in, in Pennsylvania. And that was Juniata. It's a small liberal arts college where the majority of students build their own major. There, there seemed to be a real connection between the professors and the students. And I was on a tour of counselors. They, they had their choir come and sing for us. And, and we were there in the evening as well. And they were having a concert. Pretty much all the students were there and some of the community members were there. And it was just a really nice, warm feeling and, and a feeling really of connection between the students and the professors. One thing that stuck out to me in my uh, conversation with Raina about her background and focus and work was how much 
she really factors financial aid into the sort of structure of the process. She emphasizes doing that first, having that sort of guide the process. It really points to sort of the complexity that exists as far as college applications go. I mean, there's so many dreams and ambitions, lifetimes worth of them really packed into this one process with so many political sort of internal conflicts that exist between parents and kids and the teachers and the coaches and everybody that's sort of been a part of their lives. So really negotiating that space is really predicated on the money. I mean, that's kind of like the, the most foundational block to it. So I find that really interesting that she starts there and sees that really as step one. Take me step by step through uh, designing a list of schools for students. Uh, what does that look like exactly? First thing I want to do is get to know the student. I'm going to go over their their academic record, you know, their grades, what classes they took, any special talents they might have, any jobs they might have had. I'm going to talk with them about what they see themselves doing, if they have any idea about what they want to study or major in. I'm going to talk with their parents and get a, a sense of any constraints there are. I often want to know also where their parents went to college, uh, if they went to college, if they went to the college in the United States or someplace else in the world, because people have a lot of preconceived notions about college, and it's sometimes different depending on, on what their personal experience is like. I do a number of surveys and questionnaires to get a, a sense of the student's readiness for college. I try to get them to tell me through these surveys and questionnaires and interviews what their needs and wants are and, and whether for each one, whether this is a must have or this would be a nice to have. Um, it's a bit of a science and a bit of an art. I think that's where different counselors may fit somebody better than you know just going online and using one of the search engines. So I do use search engines. I do use, you know, tools, but I've also visited over 150 colleges. So having been there and been on tour and talked to people in admissions, and that makes a whole world of difference, just as it does for students. What's a piece of advice that you would give a high school freshman as far as leading up to that meeting? Like, what can they do you know, throughout their sort of high school career to best prepare themselves for that meeting with you? I would tell students to try their best, challenge themselves academically, get involved in extracurriculars that they are really interested in. So that that's generally the advice. Then from that, people go and do crazy and bizarre things. But doing that and still being a high school student, still having fun in your life, still sleeping and eating and not stressing themselves to the point of illness. I don't know, like this is the Cold War or something. I, it, it's just, I mean. High school? Yeah. High school is the Cold War. <laughs> True. Do you have any stories of uh, triumph or, or perhaps also failure? 
that you'd like to share? One of the stories of triumph for me was a, a student who I worked with who was bipolar, who had been suspended in high school three times, but really wanted to go to college. But he had made a relationship with a psychologist or psychiatrist he was seeing. And he thought at the time that he, he might want to major in psychology and become some kind of counselor to work with, with students. So he was motivated, despite all of his problems. And I was thinking like, okay, this isn't going to be so easy. He ended up going to Kutztown, which is a public in Pennsylvania. He ended up doing really well there. And he, he was able to transfer to Rutgers in the middle of his college career. Kids of that age are learning to become independent people. That means they need to separate from their parents, mm. which is a natural and healthy thing to do at that age, which makes it difficult in many cases for the parents to be the one helping the student, even if they are knowledgeable. Absolutely. How do you alter your approach for um, alternative learning styles or ADHD? In terms of the student, I like to talk to them and find out what they think their strengths are and their weaknesses, how they learn best. The way I work with them might change based on how they work best in terms of do they listen? Do they need to see things in writing? Do they need to have a big picture of what's coming up? But also in terms of understanding what their learning differences are and what accommodations they have in high school and talking to them about how college and high school differ in terms of accommodations and to make them understand that it's not a smart idea. It's not a good idea to say, oh, I'm not going to take any accommodations uh, in college because I'm going to be a new me when really the, their, their needs probably will not have changed. And it's a difficult transition for any student and, and more so for someone who has a learning difference or ADHD. Uh, some of them will probably have to do with what accommodations they need. Do you alter your approach for students with um, anxiety, particularly with, uh, I'm curious, with clinical anxiety? Anxiety has some of the the same criteria, and, and it'll vary a lot depending, is it general anxiety? Is it test anxiety? Is it social anxiety? How they are dealing with it? You know, are, are they under the care of a psychologist or a psychiatrist? And then what will their needs be in college? Are there things that I can do to make the meetings more comfortable for them? Am I going to make them anxious? I try to break down the process into small, manageable pieces. Yeah. I sometimes find that I have students who something has happened to them during the day and they just can't focus at a particular meeting, in which case I say, okay, well, we'll have to reschedule on a day that's better for you. One thing that stuck out to me in my conversation with Rana about implementation was the way that she described the process of picking schools for kids as being both a sort of art and a science. There's certainly some deduction, I guess, that happens as far as which schools have a strong fine arts program was the example that she used. A good swimming program, if you're really into swimming, there are some finite sort of 
uh, qualities of schools that you have, but then there's also an art to it as well. And I think this is why educational consultants make such an effort to visit so many campuses because you want to get the feel of a campus as well. And I really think that's an underrated part of where a kid ends up at school and whether or not they thrive there. One thing that we brought up in segment number two was the uh, negotiation between sort of parent and child. And I think every parent and child relationship is different, which is what makes this such a, a complex process. But I think finding a way to negotiate that really uh, determines the success of the placement at the end of the day. You know, how much the parent steps back or is involved in the college process itself. Financial piece of that, how much is the parent involved in that or not involved? I think every situation is different, though there are some patterns, but it can get very sticky, I think. I think really that's where good educational consultants sort of separate themselves from average ones. What do you think some uh, challenges are that parents are facing today with generating a good college list? I'm asking specifically about how the pandemic has you know, shaped this process. During the pandemic, things have been a little more unpredictable in terms of, well, before the pandemic, I would say, you know, this would be a safety, a stretch, a match, or whatever. And sometimes things moved. The most competitive colleges, the top of the top on the U.S. News and World Report, which those became even more impossible to get into. For most of the rest of the colleges in the country, it got easier to get in. <laughs> I'll figure. What do you think this fall is, is going to look like as far as those, those numbers? I, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be like last fall. I think the most competitive colleges will be even more competitive, and the rest will be either the same or a little bit easier to get into. Very often, students who are wealthier can afford and avail themselves of private test prep. And they do much better on their SAT or ACT that, than they would have done without private test prep. And that helps them get into college, sometimes helps them to get merit aid, discounted tuition, whatever you want to call it. There are those students who magically score, you know, 1600 or 30 on the SAT or 36 on the ACT. And there aren't very many of them who get there doing their own study. Yeah, maybe for them, it'll be a disadvantage. But for most of those schools, most of those cases, they would be submitting. Uh, the only place it would hurt them is uh, schools like the University of California, which have gone test blind. You know, they're not going to look at them at all. Do, do they setting aside the UC schools for a second, but do you think the other schools around the country are, are paying attention? Uh, how much do you think they're weighing those those scores when you're talking about test optional? Test scores are probably have been more important to colleges because U.S. News and World Report uses them as a piece of their ranking criteria. It drives a lot of people because they don't understand really they should be doing their own rankings based on their own criteria, not some random criteria that may have nothing to do with their student. And in the end, really, it is what the student does at college more than where they go. I mean, you can go to someplace that's 
wonderful school and not take advantage of, you know, what it offers versus you could go someplace that's not as good and take advantage of everything that it has and then get a an outstanding education. So I think it's important for a student to have a good mindset and to be going someplace that they want to go. And, and part of my job is to help them find places that they want to go that they can get into. Because if they want to go there, they will. We, we talk about things that will help them make a good transition. If they make a good transition and they have a reason to be there, other than that's uh, just what everybody does after high school, then they're likely to be successful. They're likely to complete. They're likely to go on and, and I think have a, a good life that is a life that is satisfying to them. Um, if you could give sort of one piece of advice to parents going into this year's application cycle, what would that one piece of advice be? Probably to be honest and realistic with their student about the financial piece, unless they have enough money to pay $80,000 a year out of pocket, then they should probably plan on five years for a a four-year bachelor's degree. If they're like probably most people who don't have that much saved up, then being straightforward and honest with their student is probably the best thing. Because in my mind, the worst thing is to go spend two years at a college, and then your parents say, well, we don't have any more money, and we can't take out any more loans, and you're going to have to transfer now. That's just the worst of all. And what, about for, uh, what about for students? What, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give students going into this year's uh, applications? To be true to themselves and not worry about where everybody else is going and what everybody else is saying. Because in the end, you're going to be going to college, not your friend, not your aunt, not your next door neighbor. And it's going to be pretty irrelevant, all this nonsense, excuse me, that goes that goes on. It sounds easy, and I know it's not easy, but that's really that's really the, the truth. You know, oh, I can't I can't consider looking at this college because I've never heard of it. Well, then don't hire a college consultant if you're only planning to apply to schools that you already know about, because then you don't need somebody to help you, at least with the selection piece. Yes, that's a very good point. (laughs) Um, All right. Great. Tremendous. I just want to say thank you very much, uh, Rana, for joining me on the show. My pleasure, Alex. Here are a few takeaways from my conversation with Rana Slosberg. The first was a great point I thought that she made about the rat race. And it really is. I mean, high school is a real grind and really culminates with the fall of senior year in the midst of uh, the grind that high school already is. I mean, the schedule is very rigorous. Everything is segmented out from the very beginning of the day to the end of the day. You have to keep that in mind. You can't not factor that into the equation of college applications, because if you do, you risk mediocre results, really. You have to balance the ambitions that you have, which are huge. I can't understate that. You know, certainly it's a huge turning point in many kids' lives, where they go to school, whether that placement turns out to be good or not. I think sanity, you know, as as Rena put it, is important too. Sounds easy enough, but I think it's really difficult. 
Another theme that we kept on returning to in our conversation was the sort of keeping up with the Joneses effect, following sort of name brand schools. The temptation is to sort of find the degree or the college that is most going to sort of impress your peers and your colleagues, etc. Now, one thing I think, you know, we didn't really touch on in our conversation that we shouldn't lose sight of is, well, the degree does matter, fair or not. And probably it's not fair because, I mean, I think you can get a better education from NYU than from, you know, Yale. But it matters from a, an optics standpoint, I guess. There's definitely some value to name brand recognition. At the same time, it's far better to get a good placement than to get a good degree. Another interesting point that we brought up was how the pandemic has impacted sort of acceptance rates. Wow, it's, it's going to be hard this year to just get in on academics alone. But, you know, I guess the, the good news is the rest of the schools, as she pointed out, have higher acceptance rates. So a good year to fill out the list. Maybe some of those second tier programs, you know, suddenly become a little bit easier. Thanks for listening to Highway to Higher Ed the podcast that helps the parents of today's rising college stars navigate the obstacles in college admissions to find the best possible college match and help them thrive once they get there. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 